At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Rob Longo. Hi, friends, and welcome to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of the Charlotte Hornets, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of your Charlotte Hornets. Rob Longo with you today. After a thrilling win in Brooklyn last night, Hornets able to complete the win 129-128 to after putting up a season-best 41 points in the second quarter. They end up putting a season-high 129 points on the board as well, all led by Terry Rozier. He finishes with a game-high 37 points. We'll certainly talk about Terry here in a few moments. We're also going to highlight some other top performers, and we will also talk about the latest injury update on LaMelo Ball. And helping me out on this edition of the HHC. It's a post-game host on the flagship station, Sports Radio WFNZ of Hornets post-game, of course. That is the one and only Will Palachik. Willie P, thank you for joining me after a winning edition of the HHC. I guess we got to book you a little bit more now. Always good to join you, Rob, and especially so after uh, a thrilling win like we saw the Hornets have last night. Yeah, so let's go ahead and just get into a recap of this one. From the get-go, a little bit of a cold start for Brooklyn. Nets missed their first five shots, but they ripped off a 13-4 run, but the Hornets were hot from beyond the arc to start. Four for eight from three-point land. They also were seven for seven from the charity stripe there in the first 12 minutes of play. But Brooklyn was the one leading at 37 to 31 after the first quarter because of just a slew of turnovers. The Hornets had six turnovers, resulted in 13 Brooklyn points, and they led it by six after 12 minutes of play. By the way, Bryce McGowan's got the start last night because of Brandon Miller being out of the lineup. He was listed as questionable to start the day. He was downgraded to out before the warm-up took place with that sprained ankle that he suffered at Madison Square Garden on Tuesday. So let's go back to that second quarter where it was a shootout, quite frankly. Hornets put up 41 points. That's the good news. Bad news is Brooklyn kept pace for the most part, put up 41 there in that second quarter. So it was 73-71 at halftime, 73 points, a season best and a half for the Hornets as well. Terry Rozier was cooking. He had 17 points at the break, nine assists. That was a career high for most assists in a half. He had seven of those in the second quarter as well. That was also a career high for most assists made in a quarter for T-Row as he is handling a majority of those point guard duties with LaMelo Ball out. We go to the third quarter as well. A little bit of a seesaw fair as well. Brooklyn ends up shooting 50% from the field there in that third quarter and let it one 106 to 102 going into the fourth quarter. Outscored Charlotte 35 to 29 there in that third frame. Then we go to the fourth quarter where it was a back and forth affair. The Hornets able to take the lead there towards the end of the fourth quarter. It was tenuous all the way down to the wire. Here's how the final call sounded on the Hornets radio network. Rozier to his right around a picket fence of screens. Nine on the shot clock now. He's matched with Claxton again. What's he going to do? Crossover dribble. Steps to his right. Fires for two. No. Rebounded by Finney Smith. Dinwiddie brings it up. One-point game to Johnson for the lead. No! Rebound Mark Williams, and that's the ball game. The Hornets hang on and take a win here at the Barclays Center. Final score, Charlotte 129, Brooklyn 128. And it's Terry Rozier who leads the Hornets across the finish line 
with a 37-point performance. That one was enough to make your heart skip a couple beats or two there as the Hornets are able to hang on. Crazy game, by the way, 14 lead changes. The game was tied 11 times as well as the Hornets were able to outscore Brooklyn 27-22 to in that final frame and win it 129-128. to Willie P., your initial thoughts here. There's a lot going through my head. There's a lot of numbers that stick out, but I want to hear what you thought initially. Well, the thing that stands out to me, Rob, the 22 points allowed in the fourth quarter by the Hornets in a game where uh, Brooklyn scored in the upwards of the 30 which you know, we always talk about, you know, you want to keep teams under 30 whenever you possibly can in a quarter. And that really, in crunch time, I think really says a lot about the Hornets defensively. It was something that Steve Clifford shouted out in his postgame comments. And also something you think about, too, they were not necessarily good with uh, taking care of the basketball early on in this ball game. Six turnovers in the opening quarter, but only three for the rest of the contest, as it was a very much up-and-down affair. And I think we look back to the three-point shooting that we really have kind of wanted to get himself going along. And uh, I think that's the one thing you think about right now from the Hornets, that they are actually starting to get better at as these games go on. They outshoot the... Brooklyn Nets, 21 threes to 14 made threes on the Brooklyn side, 58% from the three-point stripe, and they also got to the free-throw line as well. 16 attempts at the free-throw line, and they were perfect in that aspect compared to 15 attempts for Brooklyn. They made their free-throws, they made their threes, and anytime you can make those higher-percentage shots, it's going to give you an opportunity to win a game. Certainly agree with you there, Will. I think the biggest thing for me is the Hornets did this a little bit differently, just because of the way that their style of play. We're used to seeing those paint touches and getting the points in the paint and dominating the points in the paint battle. Hornets, quite frankly, for the last two seasons now, haven't been known as a three-point shooting team. That was not the case last night, like you mentioned. I mean, the three-point shooting was definitely on par when you go 21 for 36 from beyond the arc. I mean, that's definitely a season high for made three as the previous coming into this one was 17, and I believe that was in the loss the first time around at New York, if I remember correctly, off the top of my head. So the three-point shot just hasn't been the calling card for this team. They got blitzed, quite frankly, in the paint last night too. Brooklyn, 66 paint points, 38 only for the Hornets. But again, you're able to get the job done in a little bit of an unconventional way, more or less, for the Hornets compared to the way that they were able to pick up their other wins this season. So after the game, Steve Clifford just talked about how this was just a little bit of a weird road trip. If you rewind a little bit, you go back to that game on Sunday at Orlando. LaMelo Ball goes out in the first half. No LaMelo Ball at Madison Square Garden on Tuesday. Brandon Miller gets hurt in that first half. He's able to gut it out and play the second half as well, finished with a team-high 18 points points doesn't go tonight so just kind of doing it by committee here over the last couple of games of course the Orlando game the New York game those were losses a little bit different in a win tonight here but Steve Clifford just talking about the week that was this three-game road trip that was here for the Hornets and listen it's been a tough trip you know I mean Melo goes down early in the second quarter in Orlando we obviously got on the plane with a lot of momentum finally having everybody back and that was you know as many injuries we had last year, this was the first time in Orlando, like I said, that I could sense it in the huddle, like, you know, what's next for us, right? And so to rebound here, actually, even the other night in the Garden, we started slowly. We played really 24 really good minutes to get back within three there, okay? And then, you know, mistake, mistake, and it gets to 11. Because it's always going to be the same way in this league. You have to find a way that your team has to play to win. That's it. Every team's got a way they can play, or most teams. And then you've got to get to that, and then you have to be able to do it every night, no matter where you play. If you don't get to that, and it doesn't make sense in the league, you're never going to win consistently. And so to have the right attitude, approach, I think, 
fight, determination, togetherness. That's where it all starts. That's Steve Clifford after the win last night. Again, Hornets win at 129-128, to 128, are now 6-11 and 11 on the campaign. We'll take on the Minnesota Timberwolves tomorrow here at Spectrum Center. Get your tickets to Hornets.com through the Hornets app. Still some seats available. Keep in mind, too, also 5 p.m. tip. So maybe if you're in town, you're listening to this one, trying to get an idea of what the Hornets have been up to lately, and you're in town for the ACC championship, you got some time before. You can come over, catch some Hornets hoops here at Spectrum Center, and then you're able to zip over to Bank of America to catch Florida State taking on Louisville. That'd be a heck of a sports day. Uh, I'm sure it would make Willie P jealous a little bit, too. Oh, believe me. Uh, we, we're going to catch, I think the wife and I, we're going to catch half of it, but uh, I, I do feel like uh, it'll be a very interesting night. I like that the game starts early enough so that you can, like you said, make it over to uh, to uh, Bank of America Stadium for the uh, for the nightcap there. And, and, and I also like what Cliff said in that clip, and it's something that he's talked about a lot over the course of this season, too, Rob, that you know, when you're the best teams in the NBA, a lot of those teams have more than one avenue to get a victory. And and I think the one thing that you come back to with the Hornets, like you said before, is that their one avenue to victory, you know, over the last couple of seasons is get paint touches, get points in the paint and, and win very much with an inside out. And it's not that you have to deviate from that aspect, but when you go up against a team like Brooklyn that is going to blitz you in the paint like they did, you need other ways to victory. And that's why when you get at night, when you shoot the three like this, you cannot waste it. And the one thing that I love that the Hornets did is that they did not waste the three-point shooting. They did not waste the great free-throw shooting on a night when you know 38 points in the paint was not going to be good enough. They were able to persevere and get enough stops defensively and convert on those offensive chances that they got in order to get a victory. And this could maybe spark something as a bit of a, uh, a snowball running down the hill because on nights when they shoot three like this, you're not going to lose to very many teams in the NBA. Would certainly help here. Again, Hornets win it by a penny last night, 129 to 128. Charlotte taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves, like I mentioned, going to be a red-hot Timberwolves team coming into the Hive on Saturday. 14-4 and four now on the season. By far the best record in the Western Conference by about a game and a half or so. Tied for the one of the best records in the NBA in general with the Boston Celtics. But hey, Hornets beat them last week here at the Hive. We'll see what can happen on Saturday. But before we get to that, a lot more to get to on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We've got to take a look at a deeper dive of the box score. Our top performers come your way right after this on EHHC. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Rob Longo and the host of Hornets Postgame on the flagship station, Sports Radio WFNZ, Will Palachik with you on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Talked a lot about the game and some generalities there in that first segment here, Will, but this time we got to really take a little bit of a deeper dive in the box score. Some great performances in the game last night. The Hornets end up getting three players north of 20. One of them, of course, goes north of 30, and Terry Rozier with a game-high 37 points. The other guys, two, Miles Bridges with 23. Gordon Hayward right behind with 22 points of his own. Mark Williams notched a double-double as well, 12 points, 12 boards, another even game for him. I'm pretty sure he had 12-12 and the other night as well in New York. Bryce McGowan's in a starting role. 
14 points. See, sometimes I am right. But P.J. Washington, 10 points off the bench as well in double figures. A lot to like from this Hornets team. We already touched on the three-point shooting. But in terms of those individual performances, Will, who's the one that stands out most as your top performer from last night's game? Well, I am first glad that you shouted out the double dozen that uh, Mark Williams had and uh, two nights in a row uh, on both sides of the East River doing that uh first in New York uh, with the game against the Knicks and then again in Brooklyn. But uh, I think the night, you have to say, it belongs to Terry Rozier. 37 points, 13 assists, career-high number in the assists, the sixth-highest point total for him uh, as a Charlotte Hornet. And uh, I, I, I really come back to any time he has a night like this, I think back to when the Hornets acquired Terry Rozier. You know, I was on the air when, uh, when he was acquired in that deal with Kemba Walker, and there were a lot of things said about that deal that, oh, he's never going to live up to what Kemba was with this organization. And there were a lot of different things said about, you know, oh, the Hornets are losing the best years of Kemba, et cetera, and so on. And, uh, while unfortunately Kemba's career was riddled by injuries from then on out, no one could have predicted that. Terry's become a very important player. I, I think that's probably the most important trade that Mitch Kupchak has made in his general managership with the Charlotte Hornets because he's the heartbeat of this Hornets team and nights like this reinforce that he is not only the guy who can lead them in these type of situations when you don't have a mellow ball, but I think you get a sense of accountability from the other players on the team. Like you see Miles Bridges riding with him, see Gordon Hayward riding with him. And, uh, he's somebody who is not only a leader by example, but a leader with fire and, and also passion. You saw what happened a couple of off seasons ago when he had the entire team, uh, basically gathered together in Miami for voluntary workouts. The entire team showed up because Terry said, we want you there. Terry even said this past offseason, I'm coming back to Charlotte early because I have optimism in the way this team looks and uh, just so many different things that you look at and you love from him. And so when you see a night of this like like he can have and also with the assist uh, standpoint, and I made mention of this on the postgame show, there was a night, I can't remember if it was last year or a couple of years ago, where he said he didn't ever believe that he had ever had a double-digit assist night, and I think it was one of those nights when Lamella was un- was injured and unavailable, and uh, we're starting to see more and more of those type nights from him. Uh, I know that he thinks of himself as a scoring guard, but he is as pure a point guard as there is because of his ability to not only know when to distribute, but also know when to take over a game. Rogier around the Williams screen, matched up with Plaxton now. He's got the center on him. Rogier in and out dribble. Step back, jumper from the elbow is good. Terry Rozier can do no wrong. That was certainly the case last night. I love what you talked about there, Will. I I totally agree with everything you said. I don't even know if I could say anything more to add on to it, but I do love the leadership aspect from Terry Rozier. I think that's something that's been very underrated, especially here as of late, just with the way that these injuries have gone down. As much as... You don't want to think about it with the way that Terry is and how much older he is compared to some of these other guys, and that's him pushing 30, by the way. That's just the way the league is right now, but he's basically the adult in the room. Him and Gordon Hayward are the adults in the room. They have to kind of take the accountability. They have to be the leaders here, so what... Terry's been able to do in the absence of LaMelo Ball so far. It's been great. Obviously, you want to be playing with a full deck of cards, but just because of the injuries, Terry's really had to step up here, and the way that he did it last night was in a big way, and especially the passing, too. And it's funny you bring up that quote from Terry about how he was talking about how he had a hard time believing that he didn't have double-digit assists. I mean, he did have a triple-double last year as well. So, I mean, at least he's done it Mm -hmm. once or twice there. So the way that Terry has been able to lead this team, it's very remarkable. It's, It's very commendable with what he's been able to do. So, I mean, 
with all that said, there was obviously the great performance from Terry Rozier. I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path with my top performer. I'm going to go with Gordon Hayward. Dorian Finney-Smith run off the line. He'll attack. His pass tipped and taken away. Hornets the steal. Gordon Hayward, two-on-one, gives up early. Rozier lop. Hayward soars and scores with the Dr. Pepper dunk to make it a four-point lead. There's no way getting around it. Gordon Hayward has not had a good stretch of games as of late. You go back to that game in Orlando. Yeah, he scores 10 points. He was a minus 15 out there on the floor. You want to back it up to the Washington game that the Hornets won by three. He was a minus 18 out there. He only scored four points. He was off to a great start. Don't get me wrong. In the first about eight games of the season, I mean, he was averaging a double digits. He was in double figures in all those games. Then he started to kind of hit the injury bug a little bit, had to deal with that hamstring a little bit, sat out a game, tried to get things right, had to build back from it. He did have 20 points in that win against Boston, which was huge, but after that, just kind of fell off the table a little bit, and you go back to that New York game, he only had four points in there as well, just does, had not had a lot of success shooting the basketball, and there's a lot of intangibles there. I know that Steve Clifford talked a lot about after that Washington game that Gordon was really good defensively, and that's good. I mean, they, he did his job, and that's what Gordon talked about when he was asked about that, but the offense just simply hasn't been there as of late. That completely changed last night in the 129-128 to 128 win. 32 minutes out there on the floor, 22 points. He was 8-14 of 14 from the field, 2-4 for four beyond the arc. All four of his free throws were makes, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. He did a little bit of everything out there last night for the Hornets, so that's why he's my top performer. Finishes as a plus 3 and a plus minus. The other thing I wanted to mention, too, I don't know if I touched on this yet. It's Again, it's that point of the year where everything's starting to become a blur. I don't know if I say it on a postgame show. I don't know if I say it on a podcast. I don't know where I say it, but I want to reiterate this. Terry Rozier, with those 37 points last night, he played 40 minutes out of a 48-minute ball game. You don't see guys touch 40 minutes very often anymore. So the fact that he was out there for the majority of the game, didn't come off the floor, highly commendable as well. If you want to compare that on the other side, Mikel Bridges is basically this generation's Iron Man when it comes to being an NBA player with all of the consecutive starts that he's had. I mean, heck, he got traded from Phoenix to Brooklyn, and he played 83 games in that season, too. He ended up getting an extra one. So he doesn't miss a game. He doesn't take a game off. He played 38 minutes last night. So, again, Terry beat him in that statistical category just by a couple of minutes. But in a game that was tight as a one-point margin, every possession matters. Every minute matters. So, again, just something that I, I noticed there. And, again, just what Terry Rozier has been able to do has just been really, really in high regard. And I know that there was a lot of animosity there when there was that sign and trade that went through and a guy that's so beloved with Kemba Walker going to Boston. But I mean, now it's to the point where if you go on social media and you see Boston fans saying, man, we really wish we had Terry Rozier right now. I mean, that's almost a 180 compared to what people were thinking when that deal went through. And again, a lot of times signing trades are just kind of a way to make the money work and make the roster spots moves and teams get trade exceptions. I mean, there's there's a ton of little caveats that get thrown around in there. You never know what one team is wanting and just trying to get some value back for a player that they don't want to just rent, have walk away in free agency. But I mean, just the way that Tiro has just, I don't want to say change the culture here, but he just brings leadership. And that's something that him and Gordon Hayward were able to do last night. And that's why I think they're worthy of some top performances. Very much so. And, and I love that you shouted out Gordon. I, I felt bad kind of giving him flack over the course of the last couple of games, because like you said, you know, a lot of times when, the Hornets are playing well. He is a steady Eddie. I always used to say that 
he would score the the quietest 20 points per game on a team. That's the way that I think he started his Hornets career. And, and seeing him go through a bit of an offensive trough here, uh, five of the previous seven contests in single digits. And you mentioned the 10-point the game that he had against Orlando. Uh, he was a minus 15 in that one, as you said. So even when he had been scoring at double figures, he was also a negative on the defensive end. So it was a scenario where uh, Gordon had definitely, I think, dropped off from a productivity standpoint and uh, to see him come back tonight and have a heavy impact on a night where he also helped out with six assists and six rebounds at 22 points, uh, got himself uh, to the free throw line four times, made all four of those as well. We remember back he had uh, on the homestand uh, the unfortunate missed free throw in the uh, Boston game, but I do feel like you think about the fact that there's so many different things from an intangible standpoint that he brings to the table, and and I also feel like you look at him and, and you feel like he's somebody who you can count on crunch possessions, and I feel like... Uh, He's able to see the vision. He's able to see, you know, kind of those different things. And and I think there's something to be said, too, with having gone through the wars the way that he and Terry both have. And that's one of the things that Mitch Kupchak said. He said, you know, we are really devoid of players of that nature beyond Terry and Gordon. So a lot of times those guys have to kind of take that uh, mantle and take that bull by the horn somewhat for the entire team because there isn't a lot of veteran presence on this team. And I'm always wondering, you know, whether or not, you know, they can get themselves back healthy, go on a run that acquiring another veteran piece can, can help them, you know, learn how to win more of these kinds of games when you're back and forth in a game with, that does have, you know, 14 uh, lead changes, 11 ties, et cetera, and so on. So a great, great night for both those guys. And uh, hopefully it's a harbinger of things to come. Some other honorable mentions, some cap tips, if you will. Bryce McGowan's 14 points in a starting role for the start of the season. Also goes for a career-high made three-pointers. He goes four for five from beyond York. Very efficient in general, five of seven from the field for what it's worth. Mark Williams, he talked about the even 12 points, 12 boards. Miles Bridges, 23 points, five rebounds, two assists. A lot of high-energy plays out there as well. P.J. Washington didn't have a great shooting night, but was able to get to the free-throw line a good bit. Ten points, eight boards, five assists for him. He was able to facilitate out there on the floor. One more quick one. Why not? Nick Smith Jr. got some meaningful minutes out there. 14 to be exact. He finished with nine points. Was perfect from beyond the arc. Three for three. Had a big offensive rebound in there as well that led to that three-pointer or at least one of his three made threes. Again, Hornets win at 129 to 128. They'll try to do it again tomorrow against the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll be without LaMelo Ball for at least a, a little bit of the foreseeable future. We got an injury update officially from the team here at the beginning of the game yesterday. We're going to update you on his status and what it might mean for the team moving forward here right after this on the Hornets Hivecast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Rob Longo and Will Pelagic, the postgame host of Hornets Postgame on the flagship station, Sports Radio WFNZ, putting a button on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast, as always presented by Senta. And some late news that came out 
right before the game, a little bit maybe first quarter of the game last night, was an official injury update from the Charlotte Hornets. They had a further evaluation on LaMelo Ball. It revealed that he suffered a right ankle sprain on Sunday, November 26th against Orlando. The injury was confirmed by an MRI, and Ball will be reevaluated in one week. Updates on his status will be provided as appropriate. So uh, first off here, Will, I think this is basically almost the best-case scenario for LaMelo Ball and for the Hornets in general because when the injury happened, it did not look good. LaMelo basically had to be helped off of the floor, carried, quite frankly, was not able to put any weight on that right foot when the sprains happened. So that's probably the good news for the most part there. And the other good news is, too, when we saw him go into the arena for the game in New York just a few days ago, he was in a walking boot, and he had a little bit of help with a crutch as well. So I think the fact that he's going to be reevaluated in a one week is almost best-case scenario. That doesn't mean LaMelo is going to be coming back in a week. That just means he's going to be reevaluated. We're going to see where things are, see how that ankle responds to some treatment and just the general natural healing process because, again, ankles can be so finicky. We saw that last year as well with a slew of players, especially LaMelo Ball as well. So all in all, we saw the other reports. We saw the official update yesterday. I think this is about as best-case scenario as it could get for the Hornets and LaMelo Ball. I think a lot of fans, when they hear the term walking boot, they almost kind of get jarred by that fact. But a lot of times, you know, the walking boot is just used as a mechanism to, you know, get keep the swelling down and uh, also have that rehabilitative effect on the ankle and on the foot. And I think, you know, I even heard Ashley Shawmody say on the TV copy that it could even come off as soon as this weekend uh, and they at least try to see how the movement and the mobility is with it and uh, and where the strength is. I think it's very encouraging that the bone is intact. I think that was the biggest fear of everybody when we saw LaMelo go down and, and not be able to put any weight on it. But the fact that he is walking around in a walking boot is an incredibly encouraging sign and uh, probably one of the more encouraging reports. Like you said, you know, the one-week evaluatory period is not going to necessarily mean he is back a week from now, but it at least gives the Hornets uh, some semblance of, okay, this is a timetable. Maybe you can get yourself back to some individual work after that if the ankle does respond and then hopefully as he gets his win back uh, maybe not necessarily uh, miss too much time and and hopefully you get him back by at least the end of the calendar year because uh, this is a very important part of the schedule you're going to have the west coast road trip around christmas time and uh, you're going to see a lot of these uh, playoff caliber type teams coming into spectrum center and playing them on the road this is a period of time where the hornets cannot afford to be down any more bodies especially they get you know even brandon miller back after being dated with that ankle injury that he suffered against the New York Knicks. Need to get Nick Richards back as well with the concussion protocol. I know that one of the things that Steve Clifford said going into the Orlando game was it was so encouraging to see the way the team looked for really the first time as it was supposed to be constructed when he first took this job a year ago. I think that first quarter against Orlando really showed the blueprint of what this team can be on its high end. It's now all about trying to make sure that all those pieces can come back concurrently and play for the Hornets because that'll be the true testament of what this team can be as we go through the meat of this season. And if you can get enough of those games together, you can really get a barometer of what this team's going to look like, especially I mentioned earlier about the trade deadline. This could be a team that, depending on where they sit inside the Eastern Conference, especially if they can get some wins underneath them, they could be a team that almost can be choosy come the trade deadline because they might be looking to add a piece to try and go on a run that can potentially get themselves back into that playoff picture. After the game yesterday, the Hornets beat writer for the Charlotte Observer, Rod Boone, asked Steve Clifford about just his reaction of getting the official update 
on LaMelo Ball. It's a little bit of a funny exchange. I'm going to let you guys hear it. You got an official update finally tonight with Melo. Is it good to know it's not a severe injury and you can kind of hope he'll come back soon for you guys? Absolutely. You put the words right in my mouth, Rob. I hope he comes can you back soon. I'll say, I hope he comes back soon. There we go. That's it. That's working together right there. You got to love when Cliff is in a good mood, and that's going to happen after a win as well. So, a little bit of a funny exchange there. But, I mean, the one thing I want to focus on here before we wrap things up here, well, as well, is just the blueprint for this team moving forward. We saw it yesterday in a win. I don't know if that's sustainable. Obviously, shooting 58% from three is not going to happen game in and game out. And that's something that Steve Clifford talked about after the game was just trying to get back to their style. Was the three on last night? Absolutely. So you might as well ride the hot hands, and the Hornets had a lot of them, but you're not going to shoot 58% from beyond the arc every single game. We have certainly have seen that here several times for the Hornets where they've just gone stone cold from three-point land. So I think that all things considered, what we saw yesterday from Charlotte is basically what we're going to see moving forward for the foreseeable future without LaMelo Ball. Now keep in mind, too, no Brandon Miller in the game yesterday either if he's able to suit up and come back tomorrow if it was just a very very slight ankle sprain then at that point you're probably going to put him back in the starting lineup Bryce McGowan goes to the bench and then you mix and match the rotations from there but all in all just like Steve Clifford said before the game on WFNZ's pregame show when he was talking to Sam Farber and during the pregame coach availability he said hey we got everything we need to in order to pick up a win tonight I hope that he has the lottery numbers for Saturday as well. I might have to try to pry those out of him. But, I mean, again, he's got confidence in his team. He's got confidence in these players. And he knows that they have the ability to win, even though they're this shorthanded. Yeah, I loved how he was proved prophetic by that uh, by that exact phraseology that he said, like you said, not only to Sam, but also uh, in the pregame uh, media availability, saying that this is uh, everything is in front of us. We have everything to be able to win a contest. Uh, but it also goes back to what I said before. You, you have to be able to adapt. And, and if you can only win one way in the NBA, that also means that you are very hard to stop unless you are able to enforce your will on another team. And unfortunately for the Hornets, uh, that has not been the case this season. There have been a lot of times where they've gone up against uh, some pretty tough customers and they've been met with what I would consider to be incredible resistance. And they're going to have that kind of resistance on Saturday when it comes to the center position. Carl Anthony Towns, one of the best centers in the league, is where uh, Mark Williams is going to have a very tough, tough assignment going into that game tomorrow night. And uh, to expect the Hornets to have the kind of game like Brooklyn had against them is a very, very tall task. I don't think you're going to get 66 points in the paint against the Minnesota team that features Carl Anthony Towns. So as a result, the Hornets are going to have to figure out other ways to get quality scoring, whether it's by the three, whether it's driving the lane and getting to the free throw line, whether it's uh, using inside out, at least using the paint touch, having the threat of, an, of a paint touch from Mark Williams to have the lane collapse and offer yourself something else outside. There has to be a way for the Hornets to get themselves effective scoring. Even also, you think about the fast break, which is something that we have seen at times from the Hornets. You know, we always talk about how this is a team that's built to run. They only had 11 fast break points tonight against uh, Brooklyn. 20 is what Brooklyn 
Oakland had against uh, Charlotte. So if the Hornets can find ways to run, they can find ways to get to the free throw line and and make the most out of the paint touches that Mark Williams can get against Carl Anthony Towns, try as much as you possibly can to limit one of the best centers in the NBA. That's the formula for victory. I know it's easier said than done, though, Rob. Yeah, you might as well have done our game preview for the Minnesota game tomorrow as well, and we kind of double-dipped here. But, again, a lot to look forward in the future here. You can can carbon copy that and and put it in tomorrow's (laughs) HHC. That's the the beauty of radio. That's the magic of radio, like we like to say. So, again, Hornets got an opportunity to knock off another hot team tomorrow. We'll have your game preview for that one on tomorrow's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. But in the meantime, Will Pelagic, thank you so much for joining me here on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We'll catch up with you on the postgame on WFNZ tomorrow. Always a pleasure, Rob. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. For Will Palachik, I'm Rob Longo saying thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We'll talk to you tomorrow once again on EHHC. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.